Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of epidural hematoma found under the neurology section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 28-year-old man presents to the emergency department after a motor vehicle accident. The patient has a Glasgow coma score of 10. After airway, breathing, and circulation is secured, he undergoes a head CT without contrast which demonstrates a lens-shaped hyperdensity that does not cross the suture lines. There is a mild midline shift demonstrated on head imaging. Neurosurgery is consulted and plans are made for a craniotomy and hematoma evacuation. Let's continue with an introduction to epidural hematoma. As a general overview, remember that an epidural hematoma is a condition characterized by arterial bleeding that develops in the potential space between the dura and the skull and treatment includes surgical decompression with the craniotomy. Risk factors include head injuries. In terms of the etiology, this is often due to a middle meningeal artery tear. And with regards to the pathoanatomy, remember that the middle meningeal artery is a branch of the maxillary artery, and it serves to supply the skull and the dura. Head injury may lead to a tear in the middle meningeal artery, which leads to rapid filling in the epidural space, which compresses the parenchyma of the brain. Then, brain parenchymal compression can lead to transtentorial brain herniation. And remember that the petrosal bone is thin, which can be easily fractured, resulting in a middle meningeal artery tear. Moving on to the presentation. In terms of the symptoms and physical exam findings, remember that there is a spectrum of clinical presentations. There may be a transient loss of consciousness, and there may be a quote-unquote lucid interval. This is characterized by recovery of the patient's consciousness, followed by clinical deterioration, due to expansion of the hematoma that's under arterial pressure. The expansion of the hematoma can result in ipsilateral dilated pupils secondary to uncle herniation and a Cushing reflex, which is notable for hypertension, bradycardia, and respiratory depression. In terms of further imaging, a CT head without contrast is indicated as the imaging study of choice due to its rapidity in obtaining images and easy identification of the hematoma. Specific findings may include a lens-shaped, biconvex hyperdensity that does not cross the suture lines. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a subdural hematoma, with differentiating factors being that this will present as a crescent-shaped hemorrhage seen on CT head without contrast. Also think about a subarachnoid hemorrhage, with differentiating factors being that this will present with a thunderclap headache and there will be a hyperdensity in the subarachnoid space on CT head without contrast. With regards to treatment, Operative options include a craniotomy and hematoma evacuation. This is indicated as the mainstay of treatment in symptomatic acute epidural hematomas. And lastly, with regards to complications, these may include transtentorial herniation and respiratory failure and death. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to epidural hematoma, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 54-year-old male is brought to the emergency department by fire and rescue following a skiing accident. His wife reports the patient lost control of his skis and collided into a tree. He lost consciousness for about 30 seconds. When he woke up, he was mildly confused but able to ski down the rest of the mountain. The patient initially denied medical treatment, but his wife convinced him to be taken by ambulance to the emergency department for evaluation. The paramedics report that at the scene, the patient had a Glasgow coma score of 15. During the ride, he became gradually more somnolent. His past medical history is significant for hypertension, hyperlipidemia, coronary artery disease, 
and prior transient ischemic attack. His home medications included torvastatin and lisinopril. In the emergency department, his temperature is 97.8 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.6 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 141 over 84, pulse is 71 beats per minute, and respirations are 16 breaths per minute. He is difficult to arouse with a Glasgow coma score of 7. A head CT is performed, which demonstrates a biconvex hyperdensity that is limited by the suture lines. Which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's presentation? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Occlusion of cerebral small penetrating arteries. Choice 2. Damage to the cerebral bridging veins. Choice 3. Damage to the sphenoid bone. Choice 4. Ruptured cerebral aneurysm. Or choice 5. Secondary hemorrhage into a prior area of infarction. The best answer to this question is, choice 3, damage to the sphenoid bone. This patient presents with a lucid interval, followed by worsening somnolence and a biconvex lesion on head CT, which suggests a diagnosis of acute epidural hematoma. Acute epidural hematomas are most commonly caused by damage to the middle meningeal artery from trauma to the sphenoid bone. Patients with an epidural hematoma typically have an initial loss of consciousness, followed by a lucid interval during which their mental status returns to baseline or near baseline. As the hematoma expands, patients display increasing somnolence from the increase in intracranial pressure. For that reason, epidural hematomas are sometimes referred to as the talk-and-die syndrome. If not relieved, this increase in intracranial pressure can lead to uncle herniation or death. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Occlusion of cerebral small penetrating arteries describes a lacunar stroke. Although this patient has two risk factors for lacunar stroke, namely hypertension and smoking, this patient's head CT demonstrates an epidural hematoma. A lacunar stroke would also not present with the classic talk and die syndrome presented in this vignette. Choice two, damage to the cerebral bridging veins results in a subdural hematoma. An acute subdural hematoma more commonly presents with a gradual increase in headache and confusion rather than the talk and die syndrome presented in this vignette. However, a minority of patients with acute subdural hematoma may have a lucid interval followed by progressive neurological decline. Subdural hematoma would have a crescent-shaped appearance on head CT rather than the biconvex appearance of an epidural hematoma. Choice 4. A ruptured cerebral aneurysm would most likely lead to a subarachnoid hemorrhage. A subarachnoid hemorrhage presents as a sudden severe headache referred to as a thunderclap headache, confusion or somnolence, nausea and vomiting, and meningismus. Choice 5. Secondary hemorrhage into a prior area of infarction usually occurs in the setting of recent embolic stroke. Although this patient has a history of TIA and other risk factors for stroke, his head CT demonstrates an epidural hematoma. Finally, a bullet summary. Epidural hematomas are caused by damage to the middle meningeal artery as it passes through the frame and spinosum of the sphenoid bone. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 35-year-old is brought into the emergency room after a bicycle versus motor vehicle accident. He was unconscious after hitting the side of his head on the road, but recovered consciousness after a few minutes. He started to ride his bicycle again, but then developed a severe headache with nausea and vomiting, at which time he called EMS. While in the hospital, the patient is confused and cannot provide a history. He quickly loses consciousness, and a CT scan demonstrates a biconvex hyperintensity limited by suture lines. What is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are 
Choice 1. Subarachnoid hemorrhage. Choice 2. Subdural hematoma. Choice 3. Epidural hematoma. Choice 4. Subgallial hematoma. Or choice 5. Caput succedinium. The best answer to this question is choice 3. Epidural hematoma. A patient with a traumatic injury to the lateral side of his head with a quote-unquote lucid period and a biconvex hyperintensity on head CT is most likely suffering from an epidural hematoma. Surgical evacuation is warranted due to his deteriorating condition. Patients with head trauma are often subject to coup and contracoup injuries. The injuries, along with the trauma itself, can result in laceration of the middle meningeal artery, the most common cause of epidural hematomas. The hematomas may present with a lucid period where the patient feels awake and alert, but the patient's condition can quickly deteriorate due to the arterial bleed quickly expanding and compressing other vital structures. The publication by Chmielewski et al. discusses the clinical importance of the middle meningeal artery. They state that its laceration is responsible for up to 85% of all cases of epidural hematomas, with higher rates attributed to those patients who have underlying skull fractures. They also state that for most cases, surgical evacuation via burr holes is the most important as the bleed can cause transtentorial, or worse, tonsillar herniation, leading to coma and brainstem damage. The publication by Zhao et al. discusses a novel treatment of using needle puncture and drainage of epidural hematomas without the need for burr holes using CT imaging for guidance. They state that the improvement rate and the cure rate among their patients was 100%. They also note that re-bleeding rate was 0% and the local infection rate was 0%, making this a safe and effective procedure under CT guidance. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Subarachnoid hemorrhage typically occurs due to ruptured berry aneurysms and presents with the quote-unquote worst headache of a person's life. It does not present as a crescent shape on CT scan. Choice 2. Subdural hematomas are particularly common in the elderly population due to the decrease in brain parenchymal volume, creating a risk of tearing of the bridging veins. They present with a crescent-shaped hyperintensity on CT scan. Choice 4. Subgallial hematomas typically present in neonates due to birth trauma, and they present with subaponeurotic bleeding that crosses suture lines. Choice 5. Caput succedineums also typically present in neonates due to birth trauma with subcutaneous hemorrhage that crosses the suture lines. That's all for this review about epidural hematomas. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, We'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.